if you're really good at what you're, like you said, you're really good at what you do, then you are literally in higher demand. Higher demand equals more, you charge more money. Welcome everyone to the campfire where entrepreneurs sit down, talk business, stocks, crypto. Our job is to provide you max amount of value and entertainment. So welcome to the pod. Welcome to the show. I'm Desmond Dixon. I'm here with Heather and Josh. I'll let them introduce themselves and yeah, let's, let's, let's hop, let's hop right in. Um, so, you know, since we're all entrepreneurs, I think it's super important that, you know, we, we, we talk about some things that we learned in our business pretty recently. Um, the reason for this is that there might be some people out here um, who are listening to this in our audience who might be going through some similar things. So it'd be nice to kind of unpack some quick, some quick learning lessons and like how we dealt with, you know, how we dealt with what we learned and how it's going to impact our business. Um, so, yeah, so let's start off with that. Um, Josh, just kind of give us a quick update with you on your end. Um, with a quick introduction of who you are and uh, some things you learned in your business. Uh, my name is Josh. Uh, you know, I run a creative agency, so video production, marketing strategies for businesses, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, brands that really want to expand, tell their story, you know, just make a powerful impact in the world. Um, lately, what I've actually been uh, really fine tuning on is just you know a lot of research regarding like the psychology of um, you know video and what you know what creates the consumer behavior that, you know, drives the results that we're looking for. Um, besides that, really teaching people how to become more efficient when it comes to creating content, making it more fun, make it less resistance, you know, less pressurized, like, oh, I have to look this way, look that way. Um, and really show them that by them showing them, by sh- them showing up as themselves, you know, it allows them to, uh, you know, drive more results for them. And they're actually going to build a community or tribe, uh, an audience that laughs at their funny jokes that they mess up on, laughs at their, the, you know, maybe if they curse like a sailor, you know, that it, it goes well with them, you know, so just for helping people find their tribe, helping people find their audience and, and, um, you know, their initial, I'm sorry, their authentic voice. Um, so that's really what I've been up to lately. Cool, man. I mean, I kind of want to unpack that a little bit because I mean, psychology is like huge, man, especially in my world in sales. Like you, you got to know like why people do what they do. And you honestly got to know like your own self-awareness. And I think it's awesome that like, you know, people in the video space, obviously aesthetics is important, but like they forget that value what's in the video is, is probably way more important. The content is way more important. And Heather, you speak about this all the time. Like literally every time I talk to you, I was like <laughs> value. Right. So, um, yep. you know, with, so with you, Heather, I mean, like what's, what's some learning things that, you know, some things that you learned in your business and, and things in your world right now? I mean, uh, when it comes to learning lessons, like, uh, the, the importance of pace and taking your time and being, being on purpose with everything that you do. I mean, I'm, for those of you who don't know me, I am a coach and a consultant. Um, I am an agency owner and international speaker and author. And my goal for a really long time was how big can I get? How far can we go? And for those of you who don't know this, like I'm also 40. So like life has actually like, I've gotten to that point, life has happened and I've nailed every goal that I've set in front of myself. I've made every benchmark, every revenue goal, every everything. And 
that is alone is never the answer. It's important, but it's not the answer. Like there's, there's such a bigger picture. There's so much to be seen when you, when you zoom out and scan at life as a whole and your business and your life and your impact and your legacy and your philanthropy, like you have to add all of the pieces together in order for it to really truly be effective, to be a true win. Um, so the importance of being patient and pacing yourself and being timely with the things that you do and doing them very much on purpose. Wow, I hit the nail on the head. Like, I, I it's so funny because I, I felt like I just did a post recently, like a couple of weeks ago, talking about like things tend to really accelerate when I take a step back and pause and slow things down because it's so easy to like be busy. It's so oh, yeah. easy to always have to do things, right? So easy. It's so easy to bulldoze through life, through anything, especially yeah. like. I mean, I've, I've said this once and I'll say it a hundred more times. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. It's not for the faint at heart. It's not, I honestly and truly do not believe that it's something you can learn. I think it's something that you can learn. You can learn how to make it effective. You can learn how to become better at it, but it is something that you are either born with or you're not. Just like any of the other most like unique skills in the world, you're either born with it or you're not. You can do it or you can't. Like. I personally, like I spent most of my life in the world of entrepreneurship. I've had one job my entire life, one big kid job outside of being in the military. I had one regular job where I went and checked in nine to five and it took me like 15 months to be like, yeah, I can't do this. I really can't do this. This is not what I'm up to. And so I've spent my entire life and my entire career as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and as a consultant. And it's you, you have to take a look at like what's going on around you. Like what is the cause and effect of everything that you do, everything that you're creating? Because we have big enough personalities and strong enough opinions that there is nothing we can't bulldoze our way through. And it's all, it, the, the end result is always effective. But mm-hmm. is it the most effective or is it the result you really were truly looking for? Because some of the biggest, some of the loudest speech out there right now um, is around like, what are you really trying to create? What are, what aspects are you trying to create? What difference are you trying to make in the world? You know, the concept of the trifecta, is it a win-win or is it a win-win-win? Is it a win for you and a win for your client? Great. Is it a win for you, for your client and for the world? Can you truly say that what you're up to is creating legacy? Is it creating a lasting impression? Is it making the world as a whole a better place, a stronger place, a more informed place? And if not, why? Alignment. That's what that is. That's alignment. Yep. Yo, Josh, so after hearing what Heather had to say, Nick, because I know that you work with like a lot of entrepreneurs as well from all different shapes, sizes and, and impact. Um, so like, you know, what was your take on what Heather said in terms of like, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, you got to be born with it. What's your, what's your take on that hot take? I agree with that. Honestly, um, I believe that we all have. let me say it in a different way. I come from a sports background. One thing I've learned from, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with, um, if you're like high level people is you always have it in you. You might not exactly know, you might not know exactly what it is about yourself, 
um, in that moment, but that's what the process is for, you know, the refinement to figure out, you know, what part of you needs to be, you know, more polished here, more polished there. What, what thing was your superpower that you really had thought was your weakness to your entire, your entire life? Um, you know, especially coming from like the sports world, I tell athletes all the time that like, you are an entrepreneur. You don't realize it because you're getting paid for, um, you're getting paid for, you know, what you're doing. But at the end of the day, you are an entrepreneur. Um, when you go on to college or you go on to the NFL, you know, the main thing that people don't realize is you essentially are an independent contractor in a way, you know, so you are running your own business. You are building your own brand. The thing is, is they don't, a lot of athletes don't get the, they lack the, the, the knowledge to actually build their own brand, to, you know, put themselves out there more, to do more than just, you know, pick up a football and be able to run faster than everybody else or jump higher than everybody else. So uh, really being able to uh, maximize that space. And, and with that, is, it embodies your gift. You know, you can't get one without the other. And I think that that is, you know, fundamental with what Heather, Heather was saying about, um, you know, being able to understand your pacing, understand your part of pacing within itself is self-awareness. You need to know when you're going faster, when you need to slow down, when you need that patience, when you need to be a little bit more gritty and just, you know, you know, just buckle it up and just be like, hey, OK, this is what we're doing. You know, we're in the trenches now. This is a point where um, an area that I need to grow, I need to really shine and see what what I'm really capable of, you know, and then from there I can pull back because I know that those other areas are more of my strengths. Um, you know, I see that a lot of a lot of with a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with. Um, there's a gentleman of mine, his name is John. I, I won't, you know, I'll, I'll leave his last name out, um, for, you know, privacy and respect issues. But, uh, one thing I, I love about him is he started eight multi-million dollar businesses. Uh, most of them have scaled up to, you know, um, nine figures easy. And the thing I love about, you know, just working with him is his mindset. He's always, he's in the neuroscience space. So he's always about like, priming your brain, repriming your brain, neuroplasticity. What can we learn? What can we drive more? Like you can do this. You can, you might not know that you can do this, but as long as you know that there is a process that you're willing to go through and you're committed versus being interested, you can get through anything. You can make whatever you want happen. You can, you can uh, transform yourself in any way, shape or form, you know? So I absolutely agree with what Heather said. Um, I, I personally would take it a step further. I would say that I believe that maybe 95% of people actually have uh, the entrepreneurial bug in them. The majority of people just don't want to push that because maybe somewhere in childhood or, you know, throughout their journey, mm -hmm. they suppressed whatever that thing was that could, that the world actually needs. And most of us live in this life where we, the very dream, the very goal, the very gift that we like suppress and hold within ourselves and we try, it's like scarcity, like you just want to hold it all for you in your spare time when no one knows who you are. That very thing is the seed of where entrepreneurship would actually help you flow out into the world. That's the very thing that the world needs, but they can't see it because you're not allowing them to, to get it. You know, I'm, I'm learning mm -hmm. that for myself. Uh, I know one of the things that I shared recently with my uh, community is that um, my entire life I sucked at telling stories. My see, it's still even to this day, and you probably tell now because I babble so much. My my family would always tell me like, Josh, get to the point, man. What are you doing? What are we talking about? But I realized that that serves me when it comes to filmmaking and it comes to you know telling stories because the devil is in the details. It's those extra the extra little details that you give that maybe or uh, what is it orally or oratorily you uh, it might you know kind of bore or silence the crowd 
in a visual way, that's actually the thing that keeps, keeps people on their toes. That's the thing that actually makes them want more, you know, to, to go down that process with you. So when you talk about psychology, especially within filmmaking and, you know, video marketing, you know, what happened, you were just media in general. That's the very, those are the breadcrumbs that you're looking for. That's going to marketing wise going to lead that person towards whatever it is that you want, want it to ultimately be. So I agree with what Heather said. I would just push it a little bit further to say that, I believe more of us have it than we realize. We just don't, we either aren't in the right environment or we aren't within the right headspace within ourselves to actually challenge that, that, um, that level of ourselves that would really, like she said, create that win, 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 you know, where it's not just about you making money. It's not just about you doing all this stuff. It's not just about you satisfying a client. It's about what is that going to then do for the world? You know, how can your yeah. client then take that gift and spread that to the next person? Because it doesn't have to be you. T- as, as long as it's you touching it, that's it. it I mean, it's only going to go as fast as it needs to go. It's like one thing I, I'll talk about in my yeah. business is the name of it is called Illuminate Media. And the symbol of it or the logo is a candle because my job is to not change what you're doing, not act as if you can't do something. It's just to, you know, put my, it's like a small little candle wick. It's to put my hand or our team to put our hands around that little, that little flame, allow it to get more warmth inside of it to then expand. And as it expands, your job is to then take your story or whatever we are actually, you know, whatever we're fanning the flame of, and your job is to take your candle and to light a thousand other people's candles. And then you empower them to light a thousand other people's candles. And by the time you look at it, we're over here, you know, completely healing and transforming and empowering the, the entire world around us with just our story, with just our gifts, nothing outside of us. You know, so I, I, I yeah, I love what you yes. said. So, so two things there, man, two things. First of all, I see the little slight plug of Illuminate Media in there, man. So I got to give you kudos for that. I love the, I love uh, the plug. I was trying to get, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all, that's all funny games, man. But, um, uh, I guess before we move on to the next topic, I guess I have to, uh, I have to be devil's advocate here, right? Cause we all, we gotta have, we gotta have a diverse point of views here on the show. Oh. And, um, you know, I spoke to probably, I've had personal enrollment calls with, I mean, probably over a thousand entrepreneurs this year and thousands over my career in, ter- in terms of sales. And like, you can tell the people, I will agree with what that you can tell in the, in that moment, who has it, who doesn't based upon the language that they're using on that call and how they describe their problems, how they describe their dreams, how they describe their current situation, even how they describe themselves, not just the words they use, but, you know, the tone, the body language, like the confidence. Right. And, you know, one thing that I've learned from studying successful entrepreneurs, also, you know, with myself, you know, work with Heather, work with you, speaking with just tons of different entrepreneurs is the people who are absolutely crushing it are so obsessed with delivering so much value. Like it is an obsession. Like they are obsessed with the details of serving and the people who are stuck in like, what does my product look like? How much should I charge? Like when they stuck in like creation of their product mode and not like, how am I going to provide value to the people that I want to serve mode? That's when they stay stuck right? Because they're in the spinning wheel of death of themselves. And you can't, you can't make money off yourself, right? <laughs> like, you're not going to provide, but like, you're not the only customer in the marketplace. So like, um, so I'm going to agree there, but also agree. So the, here's my, here's my little spin. I truly believe that every single human being on this planet can provide value to other human beings, yep. but it is a okay. matter of, is it, is it a matter of, are you going to do it working for someone as an entrepreneur? 
right? Or as a, an employee, or are you going to do it as an entrepreneur, right? Like I do believe everyone can provide value. If you can master providing mm-hmm. value, you can become an entrepreneur. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that, Heather? We'll never respond. I mean, I'll, I'll get behind you on that. Everybody can provide, can provide value should they choose to, but that is what we call a choice. And mm. here, that's, that is the, that's the left or right of it is choice is what everybody people don't choose to see that there's a choice in everything. Mm. I don't, I, I, I don't believe in a lot of things and like, while it's controversial, like, do I believe that people get depressed? Yes. Do I believe in depression? No. I believe depression is a choice. Is, is there a lack of understanding that puts people in one category that absolutely if you lack the understanding, if you lack the knowledge, it's, you don't know what you don't know. Of course you're depressed. Do I believe that depression is an end up? No, I don't think it's something you can, you can't choose. I think it's a choice. Just like you choose this. I choose to get up in the morning. I choose to do my job. I choose not to some days. I, I wholeheartedly and very actively choose not to work some days. I'm like, nope. Today's just not the day, but it's a choice. <laughs> the power of choice is the piece that if everybody could see that power, truthfully, I like, could see that they could execute or like educate their right to that power. Yes. Everybody could provide value and everybody could choose. They could, they could then choose. Do I want to go down the road of being my own boss or not? The possibility mm-hmm. of it's there. There is something magical about being an entrepreneur. There is something slightly crazy, absolutely obsessive and completely fucking asinine about wanting to be the person in charge. Yeah, it, is it, is. A, mm-hmm. it is a, a, an amount of risk that normal people don't take. They just don't with the knowledge or without the knowledge, normal people don't take that risk. It's not how everybody's wired. Mm, speaking possible. about how- now see joshua he made a really good point though athletes are what i call a unique situation now i'm 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 not athletic most of the sports ball games out there don't understand the rules don't care <laughs> don't care i do however have um a couple of clients that are nfl football players and for like they've been playing the game for at least five years and they they ended up in my wheelhouse because they were like, okay, so, so I'm doing this thing and I'm getting paid and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I'm like, don't know what you're doing. What do you go to? Do you go to practice every day? Yep. Okay. Do you, do you do your job? Yep. Okay. What do you mean? I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And yes, they are, they aren't handed. They, even in basic schooling, you get some of the stuff, not much of it, but some of it, but they're not handed the, expanded set of skills where people are looking at what kind of job do I want to do? How do I, how do I want to feel? Because they took the one thing that not only they're talented in, but they loved and they just went and did it. I, I mean, shame on the NFL for what it's worth. We're going to pick on football today because it's football season, but shame on the NFL for not putting new players through like, Hey, by the way, here are your, the basic things that are going to come with your job. Like your job is to play football and you should probably figure out whether or not you want to start a foundation or you want to, you know, 
start a brand or go here or go there. Or if you are going to speak out about your life, about your experience, they don't teach them. It makes it really hard for them to function when it comes to being in business because they are, they're in business for themselves. And they are not only the asset and the product, but they're also the boss. I mean, I, I watched one of my closest friends get drafted into the NFL and go, oh God, this is a lot. And with not only emotionally a lot, but the, the hustle, the bustle, the game, and then the fame and the fortune and it, basic things like, Heather, who, who am I supposed to call to file my taxes? Hold, please. Um, you, because the first thing that first thing people do is they take advantage of, of somebody like that. They're young, 19 years old, an NFL player making over a million dollars a year, throwing a ball around. He's like, who am I supposed to call about my taxes? I was like, pause, talk to my accountant. This is going to be fine. We need to find you a team. Like you need humans to do these things for you. You need somebody behind you to think this through. And then you look at somebody like a really good example, like um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They came at it because they came from families that were entrepreneurs. They came at it with a strategy and a plan where the money is going to go, what's going to happen. Like there's a lot to be said and there's no education in that area. None. There are a handful of coaches and consultants, a handful of business mentors that are going after the, the athletes and athletics, but there are not very many. And it's kind of like getting an agent. It's a rough game. So there's a unique situation when it comes to athletes. They are, they don't get a choice. You're an mm -hmm. athlete. If you're talented, you have to be an entrepreneur. You, you don't get an option. Or so, you're going to so, get taken advantage of. You got run over. So while we're mm. on this topic of uniqueness, mm. right? Like I love uniqueness. We're going to talk about someone who does know what they're doing with their life very clearly, and everyone knows that he, that he knows, right? And he's making a huge impact. And I want to I want to plug this in because I think it's a pretty interesting thing. But you know, as of today, Mr. Elon Musk was named Time Person of the Year. The tweet the tweet man himself, the techno king himself, was named Time Person of the Year. And I'm going to read a quick, um, a quick uh, thing off the, of the Time magazine that I want to kind of get you guys' take on um, to create some contrast here for our audience. Okay. So the richest man in the world does not own a house and has recently been selling off his fortune. He tosses satellites into orbit, harnesses the sun. He drives a car he created that uses no gas and barely needs a driver. With the flick of his finger, the stock market soars or swans or swains. Um, an army of, devotes, of devotees hangs on his every utterance. He dreams of Mars as he bestrides Earth, square-jawed and indomitable. Maybe you need to spell check that one. Excuse my grammar, guys. I'm working on that long word. And then lastly, but not least, um, lately, Elon Musk also likes to uh, live-tweet his poops, dropping some friends off at the pool quoted by the 50 year old zillionaire informed his 66 million Twitter followers on the evening of November 29th, having previously advised that at least half his tweets were made on a porcelain throne after <laughs> interval 20 minutes. If you know, an update splish splash, what are your thoughts on this guy? Right. The richest man in the world time person of the year. 
what's your thoughts, man? I'm, I'm pretty interested to hear you guys' take on this. Take it away, Josh. Um, I was going to actually wait for you, guys. <laughs> so, uh, Elon, he's a person of the year. He's probably the most interesting person of the year in the world, in my opinion, just like of the, of the decade, if not the century. Um, his way of life, uh, the way he goes about things is very, in my opinion, like lies are fair. Um, but it somehow works. It somehow all comes together. Um, man, he somehow, no, I, that, that's like the only Dude, way I can, that's the best way I can explain being, it is he. Being a media guy though, like on the outside looking in, like on how he deals with the media and how he like draws attention, how controversial he is. I mean, like, which, like, do you like, like, how does this person, like, how's his personality, like, so controversial working so much in his favor right like like what, what are your comments on comments on this controversy i'll i'll make it a i'll kind of use a sports analogy and i'll make it a uh to to simmer or to, to connect the point um i see an elon musk similar to a marshawn lynch meaning mm-hmm. him saying less actually gains him more because it gets people curious. You realize that in the media, especially as athletes, you're, you're taught, you're primed um, um, throughout high school, throughout college, throughout the pros on how to handle the media. So that's why you never, it's just like a politician, you never answer a question directly the way it was asked to you. You, you divert to whatever it is you want to make it about, right? So I think with him, the fact that he has such power behind his Twitter and behind his following um his his cult in a sense um the less he says to the media but the more he says on twitter or the more he says within his own words um i feel like that that's what holds substance and it pisses the media off because that's why they try to find different ways to slant his words to twist his words to you know to defame him in different ways uh, but also to raise him up. So one thing I've learned about the media as well is as long as the media can, as long as the media controls the narrative that you are of what you are, as long as they can identify you as something, they have the the they have the ability and the power to move you whichever direction they want they want to move you. Meaning it happens all the time in politics, happens all the time with celebrities, happens all the time with athletes, right? And that's what's happened many times when it, when it comes to Elon Musk. I used to work at Tesla a few years back. Uh, so I understand how that that environment Company runs. runs. You know? yeah. yeah, I know how that environment runs. And so <gasps> it's very much a cult-like following. And one thing that I've, I've realized is the media has tried so many times to paint him in one way, paint him in another way. In other words, trying to find that identity, right. And that, that he would bark at, that he would jump at. Cause as long as they know that there's a reaction, they know that there's some, there's something of substance there to hold on to and to dig deeper into. Um, and so using that political game that they play, what they've done is they've tried to like throw him here. They try to throw him there, say he's this, say he's that it's all in the way of being able to from a meet or at least thinking as a media guy, it's all in a way to be able to, to restrict his movements, to be able to manipulate the market and show, Hey, this is what he is. This is all, this is all this guy can do. But then he comes and shows you something else or does something else that is just completely out of nowhere. So now he's not considered it. just the iron man. Now he's not considered just, you know, the tech guy. He's considered the car guy. He's considered the potential phone guy. Now, like there's so many different in the space guy. There's so many different things that he does 
just so you can't peg him down. Because as soon as in the media, the, the rule is when they peg you down, they can break you down. Identity. They only break you down to then build you back up to what they want you to be at that point, rather than what you choose to be. That's why a lot of a lot of um, uh, celebrities now are starting to you know hold back their tongue and not say as much as they used to say before, because those very words that you were using and, or you were speaking in good faith and in confidence is now being the very is now the very thing that you know Cosmopolitan magazine or something else would try to swindle as if like oh you know you really meant this though when you were saying this you know so I know he does that a lot that's why his yes, Twitter tell. has been the yeah and that's why his Twitter has been the biggest thing um, and his his. His um, brash, um, I'll say his truth more than truth. I'll say his, his the way he, he's so brash about speaking his own truth, it is so compelling to a lot of people in this world that don't care for political correctness anymore. And I think that that's really what he's capitalizing on as far as you know, getting the majority of people you know behind his uh, his his brand and behind. Really, I don't even say Tesla's a brand. I say he's a brand. He's, he's the, the brand. He's, he's the only reason why Tesla. I remember I was watching, I was listening to Earn Your Leisure the other day, and um, Ian, shout out, shout out to Ian Dunlap, he had made a comment and said, um, if something happened to Elon Musk today, could Tim Cook come over and, and you know make Tesla what it is today? He said, if you even had the hesitate at answering that question, <laughs> you are an idiot. He said, because the brand is not Tesla. The brand is Elon. Elon, because I, because I could, he said, I could come in to Apple tomorrow and I can make Apple stock the way it is right now or take it even, uh, take it even higher. He's like, it doesn't matter in, in every other company. It doesn't really matter with Elon Musk and Tesla. It really does matter because people are, people are seeing a visionary that has visioned, envisioned so many things all at once. Normally you have, you have a visionary that thinks only in one way. He thinks in so many different ways. And it's like, you could tell he's, he's serious about it. You know, it's like, a, it's like a, a heart yeah. posture with him. And so he has some, that's how he gets so many people to really trust and believe in him. In my personal opinion, at least. Yeah. So Heather had a hot take on what you said. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what mm-hmm. her hot take is. Uh, she was so at the mouth. Here, <laughs> here's the catch. Like, uh, what? don't ask me how many years ago it was, but before Steve Jobs died, they said the same thing about Apple. Mm -hmm. And they said that Apple couldn't be what it was without Steve Jobs. The truth is Apple wouldn't be what it is without Steve Jobs. And also would the brand would, would Tesla as a brand um, recover? Yeah, it would guarantee it. You want to know why? Because Elon's not stupid enough to not put mm-hmm. things in place that wouldn't allow the brand to recover because what still leaps and bounds is more important to any entrepreneur that creates something at that kind of a scale is legacy. Yes. Apple stock fucking plummeted when jobs died. Like it tanked over a matter of about 12 and a half minutes. Apple stock tanked when Steve Jobs died. And over the the course of less than three months, it recovered because legacy was always in the game plan. Now, I never worked for Elon Musk, never had any interest in how his company runs. Um, I did a project with his team. uh, God, what is it? Like five years back now on productivity. And I was doing a blind case study Productivity is not my zone of genius. It's not what I teach. It's not what I was up to. 
it's not something that I had any base knowledge in. I did a bunch of research. I did a class with one of his assistants, one of his administrative assistants on productivity and how calendars are managed and how time is managed and how time is looked at from his point of view. And the truth is, is that everything that he does, yeah, he thinks in about a hundred million different ways because he wants to. Sure, the media can't peg him down. Sure, they can't make him the guy. He was known as that guy, the everything guy, the everywhere guy when he was in grateful. He was known as that kid when he was young. His mother gave a jaw-dropping, heart-stopping interview around who he was as a child that brought me to my knees. Because every, not to mention like she's, I mean, I, I would give her the mother of the year award across the board for all of her successes and failures as a parent. And she has both, but she inspired him to always choose whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted to, that there was absolutely no right or wrong answer. And she's one of the first parents of a well-known human being to speak up about that. And so he was the everything guy. He's always been the everything guy, right? He's always been the, this and that guy. He also is a tried and true antagonist. It's part of what fuels him. He is an antagonist when he knows it's not going to work. He will build things that he knows will fail simply to challenge the belief system. For no other reason, it's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about growth or progression. It's about thinking. And he challenges everybody's thinking every time you turn around. We were talking about this, about the, uh, who was I on the phone? Oh, I was on the phone with a client this morning. Um, and she's, she's in the spiritual spirituality and like self, self-worth space. And she was like, you know, it's, it's, it's like that GameStop thing. And I started laughing. I was like, that was to prove a point. I was like, that has not, nothing to do with the stock market. He did that to prove a point. I, I did because I can. But what I wanted you to see was if I can, anyone can. With enough, with enough voice, with being allowed enough and choosing something and doing it publicly, you can. Anybody can make that same affect in the world should you choose to go down that road. Because with a loud enough voice and grasping enough people's attention, yeah, you can totally control the stock market. You can also control government and pretty much anything except for the weather. And even then, I'm pretty sure there are weather machines. (laughs) So like, let's get real. But yeah. it's about influence. His whole goal in all of that was to show the world that influence is where it starts. Mm-hmm. It starts in influence. And the golden ticket behind all of it is that his desire to prove influence has never been from, in my, my opinion, my perspective, it's never come from a negative space. He's always Man. influenced positivity, growth, aspiration in the world. Uh, I definitely want to impact something based upon what you both said that I thought was like super awesome. This awesome correlation. 
One was this legacy, right? Leaving a solid legacy behind that lives on past you, which we're seeing in Apple, which we're obviously going to see in Tesla when Elon steps down eventually, because who knows, this guy always wants to do new things, solve new problems. And one thing that I noticed in terms of like what you said in your languaging there, Heather, was um, the fact that, you know, Elon Musk challenges the way people think. And like, I think that stems back to entrepreneurship, where when you're building something great, or if you're building something of value to the marketplace, you have to go against the grain in order to think differently, in order to create paradigm shifts or create new angles in the marketplace that leads them to your doorstep, right? Like the mental modeling around what people, you know, how people think. And I was reading about Elon Musk, um, the SpaceX days, early days, like, you know, when he sold, um, you know, PayPal and he was sitting on a couple hundred million dollars and how he didn't know anything about rocket science, but wanted to build this awesome rocket company and how he challenged these super smart people who all their entire life, all they did was rockets. And here's this tech guy coming in and telling them that they can do something that they said was impossible to do. And not only like challenge them in a way, but get his hands in there and like actually learn and challenge, you know, and bring his own mental modeling into their own processes. And like, so what we're seeing right now in this innovation and just the space industry is literally accredited to this guy who come, comes in and thinks totally different and challenges everyone else to not accept what they heard, but to like do the work and challenge their own belief systems. Like that's freaking, even with Tesla, like I think that is by far the most incredible take from Elon Musk, time person of the year, who this guy <laughs> became time person of the year after he went on Twitter talking about like giving a play-by-play of his poop and you said one time of the year. I just think that's incredible. And I think it's because he challenges the way people think. I know I had to throw that in there because it's just a crazy like concept in my head that, you know, and I'm a huge Elon Musk fan, like full disclosure, huge Elon Musk fan, never owned a Tesla stock ever in my life, never benefited monetarily from Elon Musk, but I'm a big believer in what he's trying to do. And I believe that he's a great example for entrepreneurs coming up to work their ass off, challenge the way you think, never give up and not be afraid to learn right and, and play big and so oh, i love elon i love him um, so elon musk is the the world's real life version of howard stark yeah and like yeah. for any for any of you like you know like comic book junkies out there like everybody knows who iron man is and Howard Stark was loosely based on, and I, I actually picked up my phone to make sure that I had his name, his last name right. His name is, he was loosely based on an aviator and a film producer named Howard Hughes, who was ruthless in the world of business and like one definitely a founding entrepreneur in twisting the way you think. But the, the character that they built Howard Stark up to be in Iron Man was. A, a genius way ahead of his time. And the truth is, is Elon's always been the genius ahead of his time. He's the world's real life version of Howard Stark. It's like, yep, I know that I know this is possible. I know where I'm going. I have conviction in my, in what I believe I can conviction in what I say and what I stand up about when I speak out about. And when he doesn't have conviction, he simply doesn't speak. He's like, that's neat. And and that's it. If you, that if you takes watch patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say if you watch his interviews, 
when someone asks him a tough question, you will literally see him pause for like five, 10 seconds to like compute what you're saying. Like he will literally look away. Like he's like deep in the thought. Like he's actually like thoughtfully processing what you just said. Like giving you hundred percent of his attention in that moment to process your question. <laughs> like if you watch his, if you watch his, his interviews take by take, but look, um, yep. let's, let's move on to the next topic, um, which I really want to cover. I have a feeling that we're probably going to cover a lot, um, which is probably going to affect a lot of entrepreneurs. And we'll probably give some game around like the game plan, depending on what industry you're in or, you know, with our expertise, what we're, what we, what we see in our industry, which is inflation, right? You know, the big, the big I word, right. Um, you know, I, I, I read just kind of give you guys some, some backdrop, Obviously, the CPI number that came out was 6.8%, which is the consumer price index, which means that prices on average raise 6.8% year over year, which is a 40-year high. And there's talk saying that that number is obsolete compared to the rising um, rent costs. And they're saying the real inflation might be you know, 10%, right? Because of the of cost of living in certain terms of rent and, and uh, mortgages and you know, just in the housing market, right? I kind of, I'm kind of interested to kind of hear, you know, your takes on inflation in terms of like, you know, what you're seeing in your industry and your in, in business. I know Josh, you're in media, Heather, you're in all types of industry from tech to, um, you know, the services world and, and work with a lot of different entrepreneurs. So like, you know, like, what are you guys seeing with your clients or like, what are you guys seeing in your industry in terms of like inflation? Like, do you see sales slowing down? Do you see sales speeding up? You know, do you like, are you like, are you like, I don't know what inflation is. I, I don't see inflation. Inflation doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm just really interested to kind of hear your take on it since it's such a, uh, such a, uh, a trendy topic today with, with money. <laughs> All right. So do you want to talk about inflation with what I do or who I teach? Pick one. I'm in- I think I'm more interested on like, um, like, okay, let's say like, if, if, if you're, if like, what would you do in a situation if like inflation is affecting your cash flow, right. In terms of like your, your, your costs are, are slightly going up. You have to, you, like people are trying to poach your talent because of the job market situation. Cause you know, as inflation goes up, um, you know, pay for your employees go up usually because you have to pay more people to retain people or to help them, you know, with their, with the cost of their. I disagree with, with that statement wholeheartedly, but okay, yeah. we can get All into right, that. Oh, no, like you have to pay, you have to pay employees to keep them. No, that's a completely separate subject. Like I could go on a soapbox about that for days. It has nothing to do with money. Good employees. You don't keep good employees because of money. You keep good employees because you learn how to listen. Mm, so if you want me to soapbox that i'll give you a really quick synopsis i had 263 employees and we put out a survey and i said what is it that you want most out of this job from this company that you're not currently getting and why do you want it and when it was all said and done we boiled down i did some interviews i talked to a lot of people and we boiled down the data what people wanted was to be seen and to be heard, and to be taught. 1.25% of my employees wanted a pay raise. That's wild because... Four employees wanted a pay raise. Four. That's wild. Four of my employees were like, you do not pay me enough. And my response was, here you go. Do you want some more money? You are insane. 
95% of my employees wanted to be either seen or heard on a specific subject or something that we were doing where they felt like their viewpoint was stronger than mine. And a big chunk of my employees wanted more time with me to learn. They're like, I don't understand what my next step is in this industry. Like, how do I grow? Where, what's my ladder? Where am I going? Why am I going there? Because I didn't create right, like I didn't create the standardized, like, uh, we never created standardized jobs. We created jobs based on people's Colby index. And so like what you were good at. So I had an administrative assistant that also crunched a bunch of numbers when it came to how we filed taxes, because she was just a little genius at these, these math problems. I was like, you can do both. She had no interest in doing books. I was like, great. You don't have an interest in it, don't do it. She's like, I like running your calendar. I like booking your travel. I also like looking over these numbers. I was like, great, you can be me. Right there, you get that job. I don't want to do it anymore. So a lot of the jobs and like people's positions inside of my company were really widely chunked out. No one did. They weren't just designers or just assistants or just these. So the growth ladder and the growth perspective was hard for them to see. I had a lot of people come to me like, I, I need you to tell me where I'm supposed to be learning, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was like, oh, shit. You guys, I'm really sorry. Like, I didn't realize that you didn't, you can't see that because it wasn't for them to see. Like, the growth of the company was mine, it was my choice, it was what direction the wind blew me that day. I mean, we shifted that company so many times. It started as a marketing agency and inevitably it was, it, it, absorbed my branding agency. It absorbed a couple of other things. It also absorbed our technology and development and became one big weird melting pot of awesome. And so everybody's like, we don't know where we're going to... Where am I supposed to be? Like, what boss am I next? I'm like, um... Hopefully, let's give you a growth ladder. I sat and built growth ladders for some of our ground level in place. They're like, "We, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Tell me how to be better. People want to be seen. Employees don't stay because you pay them more. Um, there's an amazing entrepreneur who has been one of my mentors forever. Um, his name is Randy Pennington. He just put out an article recently on um, keeping employees, like why people look. Why are we losing employees? Why, are we, why is the job market having such a hard time? And he said, he's like, don't stop and ask people why they leave. Why are they looking? What causes somebody to even look for another job? Like, because that's where it's that's where you have to that's where you have to stop and go. Okay, well, what's causing you to look? Are you not being heard? Is are things not going the way you want them to? Is it simply that you're curious? Curiosity. You view people that in your inside of your company, especially if they're holding key roles, and they're simply curious, they're always going to look. Are you opening up the arena for conversation when they do look saying, Hey, I looked, I saw this. Like, what do you think? If your employees aren't in a position where they feel like they have the right to bring that to your, to your space, bring that to the table and talk about it, you will lose your key players simply because they are naturally curious human beings. And naturally curious human beings don't want to be challenged by their curiosity. They want to be allowed to be curious for no other reason than it's interesting. 
And if you open up that, that space for them to talk, for them to share, be like, Oh my God. So I found something that's like, kind of like my job, but kind of not like my, it's really interesting. Why did they put a and B together? You're like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Let's talk about it. It's not an ROI driving conversation and most CEOs will shut it down. And that is where 95% of CEOs fail because they don't look at things from the other person's perspective. They don't open up space for people to just think. So there's yeah. like, there's a catch 22 when it comes to keeping your employees. When it comes to inflation, the truth is, is that my industry doesn't see it. We create the inflation, the price point index around what I do and the area that I affect technology technology doesn't isn't affected by inflation until you start looking at where software meets hardware and i don't play in that space i've always been 100% on the software side i've always been 100% on the digital side of it i don't play in the hardware space so i don't have a lot of information over there like it was a very laughing matter but when it comes to the server farms that are going down and the blackouts that people are seeing in some spaces on the internet based on where you're hosting your stuff. <laughs> like those blackouts are happening because hardware is failing. It's not, it's not the possibility. It's not the technology. It's not what's out there. Hardware is starting to fail. Hardware needs to be your manufacturing and supply chain is failing for the same reason because physical product pieces have to be managed. And I've never, I've never had any interest to be on that side of it. So I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of knowledge on that side. But when it comes to tech and consulting and growth and the way a business operates and pivots based on human condition, we've always we write the price point and we always have. Yeah. So that's, that's... you could charge a hundred dollars, you could charge a million dollars, and it doesn't make any difference. There are not enough of us to matter. So I don't see inflation. I coach a lot about inflation though. So the catch is a lot of my a lot of my clients are hitting that that top end where their business model and their product and their execution and their delivery is being affected by inflation and inflation is having the most affect in the service based industry because the people who are really good at what they do are realizing that they are not a dime a dozen. Yeah, I think that this. Um... I love two things I want to say. One, the growth ladder thing. We are definitely going to circle back to that on another episode and Done. like actually walk through that because I think that'll be a ton of value for the audience. One, I'm personally like, you know, I'm personally just for my team, like, I'm always like, hey, how can I incentivize? How can I like be of support? How can I be the number one cheerleader? How can I provide the most value in terms of like foster growth? So we're 100% going to unpack that in another episode. And then I think you mentioned something super cool that I wanted to piggyback on in terms of inflation with, in regards to the service industry, is that if you're really good at what you're, like you said, you're really good at what you do, then you are literally in higher demand, higher demand equals more, you can charge more money. Right. And like, I think it's one of the most awesome sales, you know, I won't say, ta- I mean, it is a tactic or a great sales a angle. Yeah. It's like, when, when everyone knows, like, it's like the line outside the club, when everyone wants to get in and they can't get in, they're willing to pay more money to get in. Right. When a restaurant is fully booked, they could charge more money, right. Charge way more money, charge more money for the wine, charge more money for, for the dishes. Right. Because it's, it's just basic economics. 
And so I love the amount of demand in the marketplace right now because it's literally driving profitability, driving up higher mm-hmm. margins. And that money can be reinvested into the economy, reinvested into, in, into growth. And we all benefit from it, right? Especially if they're really good at what they're doing. The key is they have to deliver something, right? You just can't be charging a lot of money and not providing value to the marketplace, right? Because it's called a scam. <laughs> S-C-A-M, right? Uh, in my opinion, you, can, you guys can have your own. No, take on that. Totally fair. Um, so, um, you know, uh, so Josh, man, um, you know, with the creator economy, right? Because I know you're in video production, you know, talk to me a little bit about like, you know, what you're seeing in the creator economy in terms of like how hot the market is and like opportunities you see in the marketplace right now. Yeah. Um, first of all, I love the, uh, the explanation that Heather gave, cause I felt like that some of it goes alongside with, um, with, uh, you know, production and media and all that. Um, I know that it's since the pandemic, people have actually started respecting uh, like what video production or video marketing and media uh, podcasts, all this stuff, uh, like how valuable it is, you know? So that's why you're now hearing about it in like NFTs and all these other things because creatives are now starting to get their, um, the, you know, their flowers earlier. Let's just say that. Um, so it's, it's interesting because the space that I'm in, I know Desmond has uh, been a test to you know uh, a, a few of my rants you know, every now and then. Um, it's been a blessing and it's also been one of those things. Where I'm not going to label it as, as a curse, but it's been a, a source of pivoting. Um, when I first got into this space, you know, it was, oh, hey, there's so many you know, creatives out there. There's so many video people, you know, whoop-de-whoop. And you were either essentially fighting for 500 bucks for a video that you knew you were spending 10, 20 hours on, which didn't make any sense how at the end of the day, when you equated everything, um, or you were essentially, um, just trying to build your portfolio. So you were just doing videos for free. Um, over time now, I know, um, you know, that price is starting to go up, especially since the pandemic, because people are now seeing that, you know, there's so much, need for content there's so much need for um you know being able to use visual and audio uh you know uh, sources of, of content as you know a means of communication um or even just zoom calls things like that you know and just being able to piece those up together so being able to maximize this space i've realized has because for me at least has gone away from the technician side of it meaning being the person that's filming everything and actually pivoting to being the 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 brains behind the operation that I can then commoditize in a sense in my own way, but still allows me to, you know, justify the prices, um, you know, that I'm charging people because I'm giving you extensive amount of value for what you're getting. And it's not just going to be a, like a million other videographers. And I, I hate, I don't even like calling myself that just because it's so cringeworthy at this point. Um, because anybody can come out of high school and say, Oh, I'm a videographer, you know? And Okay, cool. Here's 200 bucks for a video. I'm like, Oh my God, thank you so much. It's like, bro, there's, you still have 20 hours of work to go. Like you might want to, you might want to ask for a little bit more money, you know, like, is this just the down payment? Like, what, what is this? What are we doing here? You know? Um, Pays for the consultation call. That pays for the consultation call, man. (laughs) Something like that. Oh, man. But Mm. I I think that's been my biggest source of shifting, um, you know, with all this 
especially with uh, in the creative space, you, a lot of times you see that there's so many creators all around the world now, you know, so it, it's nothing to be able to hire, hire a VA, um, whether it's an editor, a graphic designer, um, you know, a, a brand strategist, um, you know, what have you, any, anybody that's part of that, um, creative process, you know, from start to finish, you can hire now, um, from afar or overseas, uh, for you literally like pennies on the dollar for what you'd be paying for, you know, an employee or a freelancer, you know, in the United States. Um, sometimes that comes out of, you know, offsets as far as the quality that you end up getting. But I think that, um, you know, running an efficient and a profitable business, it in the long run, it makes more sense. Um, so I've seen a lot of shifts in that way. Um, and besides yeah. that, I've seen people that actually hold like people that actually have like studio spaces and stuff like that. I see that they are actually, you know, profiting just because, I mean, as you know, one thing that offsets inflation is going to be the real estate. So they're, they're finding different ways of double dipping and maximizing in that space. I know I'm not there yet, um, but yeah, that's, that's just so far from my experience what I've seen. Dude, um, you mentioned my favorite word right now, NFT. I've been <laughs> obsessed. Dude, I, I think so. it's crazy because I, both of you two both had some influence to me in, in the crypto space. One, when I first met Heather, you know, we were talking about crypto and like, you know, you know, she, you know, she was creating this, planting some seeds. Right. And, um, you know, I had a couple of piffy moments watching Gary Vee and like kind of watching like how he uses his like utility and how he uses it for access to things that people pay for anyway. And I just thought that was fascinating. Um, but then when I had a conversation with you and you're like, yo, I bought, uh, I bought a whole bunch of this token. And I'm like, man, dude, like I, I went down this rabbit hole. And the next thing you know, like two weeks later, I'm like 15 grand into crypto and NFTs. And, <laughs> you know, boy, you know, right before we, you know, started, started the show, I was talking to Heather and I was like, man, I'm trying not to buy any more right now because I'm so locked in. <laughs> I'm so locked in in terms of the utility of it. And um, it's fascinating how there's this interception in NFT space between creators, like creatives, engineers, and like full stack developers and business people, right? It's this like trifecta. And then and it, what's crazy is the flywheel and the energy behind it is the community with an aligned incentive. That is the most fascinating human experiment I'm a part of right now is in these discord groups, a part of all these different projects. And, um, I'll talk, we'll, we'll talk more about them, um, on future episodes with projects I'm involved with, with projects you guys are involved with. We definitely want to cover some crypto here, but, um, I think that <laughs> it has changed the creator space for forever. Like there's like artists right now will, will like, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, what's happening in that space. Um, and so while we're on this topic, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to almost wrap up here. We're going to finish this topic and then we're going to give some the free game of the day from each of you guys. And so the market's been selling off, right? So I just want a quick take. So this is going to be our third take. So it's going to be the quick money takes, right? The market's pulling back right now. Crypto selling off. I think Ethereum's at 3,800 bucks. Solana's at 152. Um, something I want to read off to you guys, I think is very interesting that a lot of people are not aware of in terms of the S&P 500, that 22% of the S&P is weighted by the top five biggest tech, com tech companies. So even though the S&P is barely nudged because big tech is barely nudged, a lot of the growth stocks are down 50 plus percent, you know, between 35 and 60%. So I'm really interested in like what your take is and are you buying or selling? 60 seconds each. Who wants to go first? 
Tether. Let's go. I'm not going to tell you if I'm buying or selling, but I would like to challenge you and the audience and everybody else. Take a look at the stats. Take a look at the data, third quarter data right now. Look at last year's. And look at the year before that. Look at the year right before blockchain launched. Blockchain launched in March. So look at the third quarter data the year before blockchain launched. Tell me what's the same. Tell me what's different. And of course, the S&P is not moving right now. It's the third quarter. S&P will move at the end of first quarter. It does every year. Tech moves at the end of first quarter every year. Come on. You know the answer to that. Technology never moves right before Christmas. No one ever launches right before Christmas. You launch at the end of third quarter or you launch at the end of first quarter. That's it. That's why Apple's release always comes. What, end of October, 1st of November? Because the tech, like the technology release comes um, middle to the end of August. Mm, interesting. So look at the data. Numbers don't lie. Numbers will never lie. In the stock market, I'm both buying and selling. And in the crypto universe, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> We're going to get it out of you one of these days. I'm not selling anything, but that's just me. I'm a, I'm a hodler, hodler for life. Hold on for dear life. Um, Josh, what about you, man? So you already got my answer, bro. I'm, I'm a hodler too. Um, I love what Heather said. I love that you even know that because a lot of people don't, don't dive into that stuff. I tell everybody all the time, like um, everything, every market is cyclical. You know, it, it, we, we revolve on a rotating system. When you understand what that is, like with I'm, I was in mortgage lending before and realizing that real estate and mortgage lending, when that goes up, you see the market goes in a different way. It's, everything is cyclical. When you understand what that is, like it makes your life so much easier. So now it's like mm-hmm. when you see a lot of people that are panic selling, um, you know, out of a lot of these, a lot of these growth stocks, it's like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be, first of all, you, you bought it at the top. Anyway, that's the <laughs> first thing you did wrong. What are you doing? You know, but beyond that, it's, it's, it's realizing that, you know, there is all, there is a thing called a healthy pullback that's necessary when it comes to the market for you to afford to actually go higher. So in order for, um, I feel like for, for, you know, the viewers and the audience out there, um, definitely do your due diligence. Like Heather said, you know, she's, she's spot on with that, especially with the S and P. If you just hit every year, every year, every, I think they say that like every year it pulls back at least like 1%. So if you at least are, if you're at least in the 1% on that pullback, or you at least set your limits for that pullback, you're, you can't. The one thing that the one thing in this market that is not going to fail is the S and P. They can the our, our government can't rely on the S and P failing. They will do whatever it means to bail them out. So if you know that, it's just your job to get in at the best time possible for you and let that sucker just keep riding. You know, um, that's that's my biggest thing on, on that. But besides that, I'm I'm holding for dear life. I I know I believe in when it comes to cryptos and everything. Um, uh, my biggest thing lately has been, especially within the whole crypto space, everybody's, you know, altcoins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, Binance. Binance just got off of uh, Singapore's um, uh, Singapore's uh, uh, platform, if I'm not mistaken, um, or, or, or choice of currency. And so from there, they've actually plummeted 
you know, recently. So there, I mean, I know they'll make it up. I'm you know, not, not too, uh, you know, too uh, worried about that. But I think the thing that um, I've been more interested in lately has been smart contracts. Like where, where is the money going and where is, where are the communities going? I care more about the community, the community side into the commodity, you know, and as long as you know, it's, there's a, there was a, it was when the pandemic happened, uh, a buddy of mine had told me um, very successful, you know, multimillionaire. He said that when he learned this about his business, it changed everything. He said, serve the masses, dine with the classes. Or you serve them, you serve the classes and you'll dine with the masses. Meaning if you serve the whole lot of people, you'll be able to sit with the very few people. If you serve the very few people, the stuff that they need, the, the value that they actually need is so much of a longer time span. Like it's so few and far between that you will end up still eating with the classes or eating with the majority of people. So I, I feel like in this space, the majority of the classes are all building communities within the unlimited, unlimited real estate we know as as the digital universe. You know, so it's being able to find your pod, being able to find you know your uh, sense of community, and you know investing in the things that are actually going to you know hold that you know are going to be there. Like for me, I'm I don't game, but that's what like one of my biggest picks right now that I'm holding on, and I'm actually dollar cost averaging into now more um, as it's been you know doing its, its little retracement has been Harmony One, um, simply because I don't I'm not a gamer, but one thing I do believe in is the realm that even YouTube has shown how 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 impactful gaming has been in our world. You know, and realizing that they're now creating an, an entire ecosystem, um, you know, within their within their universe where they're building pods and pods of people that are able to game and create their own games and have more, it's, it's, it's infinite possibilities in there. So I'm like, Hey, even if I don't, I don't need to play the game, which I'm a, I'm a, I'll watch you play the game as long as that thing keeps going up and we're going where we need to go. You know, we're, we're, we're chilling. So I know that's, I'm just kind of giving a quick little tip of what I've been doing lately is harmony one. That's what I've been very, very big on a very, very, a big believer in harmony one. Um, yeah, besides that, I tell this everybody is not this financial is, advice, kids. This yeah, this is, is not financial advice. Purposes. So exactly, exactly. Don't come for me. Folks. Well, we Don't are buying the dip though. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua, I challenge you. Play the game. Yes. Play I know. I challenge you. I challenge you to play the game. Try it. Okay. Okay. Obviously, as you can see, I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. No more, no less. Data doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. And where do you think NFTs came from? Games. Mm. Gamers. People. Gamers yeah. created mm. the concept of NFTs without even knowing what they were doing. A lot Gamers of things. Gamers created this concept years ago. Mm. Years ago. Mm. The concept of NFTs, the, the, uh, the affect, the use of like an NFT came about when Nintendo and Sony at the very same time both went to market with an online version of the Nintendo and the PlayStation. When you could finally play mm. with other people from a television and a controller, all of the little stores opened up. Um, what did they use when they gave... I listened to a presentation about this. Um, Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda. You buy him little outfits. Welcome to the world of NFTs. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. Wow. Those yeah, little well, outfits were the first version, were the rudimentary. It's like the chipped away rock version of a wheel. 
Where do you think things started? They started with gamers. Play with them and then come back to this show and tell me what you think about Harmony now. Because I'm not arguing with you. I can guarantee, I can tell you that I absolutely have, I have a stake in it. I have money behind it. I'm behind you and play and then come back and tell me what you think. Because your affect will we'll change do. your perspective. Yeah. You got some homework, Josh. Play some video I'm games. I'm a gamer. Yeah. I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer games, and a addicted comic book fan and a 100% diehard geek. I came from the awkward, can't talk, stuttering, weird space in the world. I became successful because there was not another option. Mm. It was my only way to be seen in the world was to be successful. But I'm a dorky little geek. If I could stay, could have stayed behind a computer, I would have. But if I do, then everybody else would have too. And the world would go nowhere. Mm. So if you're going to start it, you got to be about it. Hey, challenge, hey, challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah. Man. I love this. We'll, we'll an audience will for sure unplug um, do it in an episode, a few episodes on oh, NFTs, yeah. like all types from utilities to just straight up art to gaming ones to access ones. I mean, there's just so many different kind of cool projects. And uh, we'll and unpack if you if you're a if you're them. a subject matter expert in NFTs or in specific types of projects, like reach out to us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sooner or later definitely. we're gonna get Gary V on here yeah. because I said so. Hundred percent. But the truth is, is if you are, if you have something to say when it comes to creating certain kinds of why they're created, how they're created, if you've got a, a, a foothold and where you stand on something, reach out to us. You want to chit chat with us? Reach out to us. This is what we do. This is why the Boom. world runs is because people like us get together from all different industries, all different walks of life, all different spaces, different cities, different states, different parts of the world. And we go, so what are you up to? And we do it for you to see. Live, no edits, no nonsense. You see our world exactly as it stands. Boom. And so we're going to leave you guys on one note with the free game of the day. We're always going to end each episode with free game of the day. And it's going to be a quick plug, right? Just real quick. Okay. So I'll start this off. Um, so since I'm a sales and growth hacking expert in terms of like helping with sales, positioning, negotiations, languaging in terms of sales, um, I'm going to give you guys um, some free game. It is going to be centered around um, really about getting paid with your worth. I think that's been a big topic for me for the last few weeks. And capital allocation is super important for entrepreneurship. And so, you know, my free game of the day is simply write down I'll do it by the group of thirds. A third of your, a third of what you what you charge should be your operations. If you should pay, how you should pay yourself or pay someone on your team. A third should be customer acquisition, and a third should be um, um, operations. Sorry, customer acquisition, uh, profit. That's the most important thing, obviously, right? And so that profit can be used either to fund your growth. It could be to put in your pocket. It can be to expand your operation. But use a group of thirds. Now, let's say if you need to live off of $2,000 a month, just using round numbers, that means that if you only could, if it takes one, if one client takes up, you know, all your time that month, that means $6,000 should be your bare minimum of what you should charge that month for that client, 
right? Because you have $2,000 for profit, $2,000 to pay operation yourself, and then $2,000 for customer acquisition. So to pay for more marketing, pay for salespeople, okay? Um, so that's a little quick, that's a little quick plug for me. Um, anyone else want to give out some free game to end, the, end it off? All right. Here's your, here's your little free game. When, when it comes to creating business, when it comes to like what you're doing, what you're up to, how to, how to get started and everything else, the truth is, is that your passion and your purpose is not your profit. And if you want to know what that means, join us tomorrow. Boom. What about like you, Jay Money? I like that. <clears throat> I would say in today's day and age, for people that are doing content, want to do content, because I, I, I had a I had a consultation with a buddy of mine who's uh, you know, wants to start a YouTube channel. <sighs> Very successful guy. He's in the you know sales lead generation for you know real estate agents that whole space. Um, very much believes in like the Billy Jean, Gary Vee type model, like just, you know, just just put up your camera or your phone and just, you know, just get something done. In this day and age, the game has changed. Do that. Does understand, I guess the free game I'll give them is this. Understand the difference between documenting and content creation. If you are in it, it's it's it goes back to the thing Heather was talking about with pacing. If you are documenting, you can do it, it's do whatever how's it fair, right? Do whatever you need to do, whatever's going to capture that content, whatever's going to allow you to, you know, own that space that you're in, uh, 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 showcase what it is and, and showcase and also articulate, you know, properly what it is that you're doing, what it is that you want to convey to the to the viewer or the audience. Do that. When it comes to content creation, you have to rewire your brain to realize that takes not only it takes time, but it takes a certain level of of decency and an excellence being done, meaning you want a proper setup, you want a proper sound. Sound people are more forgiving of your sound than they are of your visual. So focus on that. It's it's not enough to just post up your phone nowadays. Even with the I know the new iPhone uh, 13, you know it's, uh, they're doing great things. But at the end of the day, what people that are in my space, what we do is we roll our eyes at people that use their iPhone to try to make this cinematic all the cinematic stuff. That's a marketing ploy because certain things within our cameras and your camera will never be able to do. But we know that when it comes to content creation, if you just learn how to seek out the right guidance and be open to receiving that feedback, that then allows you to um, uh, create the platform that you need to create. The whole the reason why I say that is because I, I, and really quick, I know I'm kind of rambling. I told people this, when, you're com when it comes to content creation, when it comes to video production, um, when it comes to creating some type of a platform that you know you want to use systematically or, or you know over the course of time, you can either do it right, do it right the first time, or you will be buying more equipment to do it right the second time. If you learn how to just slow down, focus on your pacing, and just know that hey, as long as it, I'll take two days to make sure that I can get the proper setup, the proper structure proper framing of everything, even when it comes down to the scripting and the, and the languaging of what it is that I want to convey to somebody. If I get all of that right, I promise you, it will help you out so much over the course of, uh, over the span of three months, six months, 10 months, 10 years. It's when you don't have that is when you mess people up because psychologically people are your brand, people are brand, I'm sorry, you're priming people for your brand every single time you show up on camera whether documenting or creating. Make sure you know how to decipher the two so that they know which way you're coming at them anytime you want to communicate with them. 
Okay, well, I, we're gonna plug this because the truth is, is that Josh made a very, very clear point that if you guys don't hear this, you will fail. And I will put money on it. Like, I love Gary Vee. I have followed him and been a part of that world for a really long time. And Billie Jean is amazing. I spoke on it. I shared a stage with him and thousands of other marketers. Billie Jean has a, a film crew that follows him. Gary Vee has a film guy who carries four cameras at minimum and follows him. Like, yes, they're teaching you to get off your ass and get started. And also growth requires pacing. So if you didn't hear Joss, rewind this and listen to it again. Growth requires pacing. There will be no growth by shortcutting the end result. All you're doing is shortcutting your results. Boom. All right. I love it, guys. Really quick, really quick to add to that. Really quick, really quick to add to that. 10 seconds. So I love what Heather said. And the reason why I always, I I roll my eyes when it comes to people throwing out Gary Vee, Billy Jean, Ryan Serhant and all them is realize this. These people have already had a platform before they found you. So they're not starting from ground zero like you're starting. So within that, you're already you're already competing off top. When you're doing content creation, you're already competing off tops with the production value of someone else's. So if yours is already lower and then you don't have the right sound and then your messaging is off, off within that and then your lighting is trash, you will not have anybody that's actually going to attract themselves to you because you're not at least putting yourself in the right position to allowing people to, you know, to pull onto your heart. Right. People are going to look at that first and be like, what do I if if your setup looks off, if your audio is terrible, I don't care what you have to say, because that's just going to be like a chalkboard. Somebody scratching the chalkboard in front of me, in front of my face. Gary Vee has already done his his priming and his processing over the years. He's of him already put in the stuff. time. Yep. Exactly. So if you, if you already know that, stop comparing yourself to Gary Vee now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop comparing your your yourself to the Gary Vee of right now or the Billy Jim of right now. As if the way he's putting out content is the end all be all. He's he's mm-hmm. mastered his process, but when it comes to the style of, do I need a good setup? Do I just need the document stuff, vlogging, whatever, whatever your thing is? Find that out first, but don't base it off of what he's doing or what she's doing or whatever. You have to create within yourself. Consume less, create more. Boom. That's your end. That's your end quote. Consume less, create more. Consume less, create more. Wow, we just got that. We just got a tagline live on the podcast. We just got we just got the tagline right there. Consume less, create more. I'm writing that down, guys. I'm writing that down in the docs. It's in there. Cool. Well, hey, audience, we appreciate you for joining us for episode one. I had a lot of fun doing this, and I look forward to providing massive value to you guys. Feel free to um, you know leave some comments, um, like, share. We really just spread this message around because our goal is to simply have fun and provide value while doing it. And we want to bring on some awesome guests here to provide value to our community. So once again, hit that subscribe button, hit us a review, send us a comment, send us an email. If you want to be on the show, definitely feel free to reach out. We'll, we'll love to you know unplug with other entrepreneurs. Thank you and have a great day. Cheers. Mala. Peace. If you call me-